this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hi, my name is Samantha B, and to me, family is everything I care about. Hello, and welcome to We Are Family. I'm here with award-winning comedian, writer, producer, political commentator, actor, and TV host, Samantha B. You're the longest-serving correspondent on The Daily Show. Holy cow. Yes, I know. Um, and of course, host of your own show, Full Frontal with Samantha B, and your podcast, Full release with Samantha B and your mom to Piper Fletcher and Ripley, right? Yes, that's right. I'm with your husband, fellow actor, comedian Jason Jones, of course. And so, how old are your kids now? Well, I have a 15 year old, a 13 year old, and an 11 year old. Yeah, 15, 13, 11. Well, Sam, welcome to We Are Family. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about family stuff. Yay! This is exciting. So, teens and tween. Oh my goodness, that is yes. like I have a five year old. Does it get easier or like, or different? Teens and tweens. Well, their needs are different and heavier. So their concerns are deeper. They're worried about different things. They also don't agree with you about what they should wear or what they should eat or when they should go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just sort of different. It's obviously, and the worry is greater too, because they're a little more independent. So I find that I'm worrying about different things and they're heavier worries. Oh gosh. Yeah. That like lack of control, kind of just the letting yes. go, I can imagine it's a little bit of a process. Yeah. I have trouble with the letting go. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I remember a child psychologist that we interviewed once was saying that teens want a potted plant parent. In other words, they want somebody to be in the room and in Mm -hmm. the corner, you know, like be there for them, but not necessarily like in their face. But if they need them, they know that they're there and consistently there. And also sometimes they want you to say no, but they don't know that they want you to say no. It's not obvious. Oh, okay. Like toddlers, boundaries. I see it sometimes where I feel like they're begging me with their eyes to say no to them, but they think that they want me to say yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) They're probably going to listen to this and be like, no, no, no. Like, we definitely don't want you to say no. What are you talking about? I know. I know. So do you have a recent kind of like facepalm parenting moment that you can think of? You're on vacation, so it must just be bliss. Although they always say like for parents, sometimes it's like, is there such a thing as vacation? (laughs) It's so funny when you go on vacation, you're just so busy. You're still so Mm -hmm. busy all the time. Usually when we go on vacation now, we like to sort of rent a house and like visit a new area. So my chore list stays the same. I was explaining to everybody actually not too long ago that I've been doing laundry since they got here. They just didn't notice that I was doing laundry. Like like, (laughs) the clean clothes are just like magically appearing for them. And they are just like clean clothes are always clean. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) there's someone making sure. (laughs) My friend's a mom of three and she says the number one thing in her life right now is laundry. Yes. Mountains of it all the time. And I had this like moment with my husband recently where he was like, 
what? Like, I, he was like, I feel like we don't need to have machines running like all the time. And I was like, no, if you really think about it, you know, we're five people, we're a household of five people. That's three pairs of underwear per day times five days. That's 15 pairs of underwear minimally because kids also change their underwear mysteriously all the time anyway. Because they're like, I, I, put, I sat on the floor, I should change my underwear. So we're talking like... <laughs> After five days, that's like 20 plus pairs of right. underwear alone. If you're not keeping up, this isn't the laundry podcast. I understand no. that. Maybe I'm just obsessed with laundry right no, now. No, no, no. If you can't keep up, you're going to be drowning in that pile of laundry. And totally. then they'll just find your, your dead body just rotting underneath, just you know, a pile of underneath. teenage underwear. A hundred percent. So to rewind, since we're about family as well as parenting, yeah. I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about your your upbringing. So sure. you were no only child, as I understand it, right? And you were raised yes. by kind of a, a, a real village, right? Your, a your village, yeah. 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 I was my parents were really young when they had me, like, you know, just still in high school, really. And teen parents. This is in Canada. Yeah. This is in Canada. And so when I was born, my kids my parents were really young and they were really pretty unprepared, I would say. So they needed a lot of backup from my, in particular, my mother's parents, and in particular, particular, my grandmother and my great-grandmother for quite some time ended up doing a lot of the parenting. And then I lived with my grandmother for quite some time before I lived with like my actual parent again. It was a kind of a village. I was, I'm close with my dad. I'm close with my mom. I was very close with my grandmother. I'm close with my stepmom. There's just a lot of love. It's just a kind of non-traditional form. Maybe we didn't all have Christmas together. That is Mm -hmm. true. We didn't Mm -hmm. all have vacations together. That is, that is true. I bounced around a lot, but wherever I bounced to, there was always someone they're loving me, which is good. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, so did your mom and dad, did they parent very differently? Very, very differently. I think that my my grandmother was very traditional. She was actually the secretary at the school that I attended. So she did a lot of like the day-to-day stuff just by really by virtue of just physically being in my life. Like we were just together a lot because, you know, she made my lunch. I ate lunch with her. I was always really near her. My mother was a lot more freeform and she taught me a lot about independence. My dad was a little more traditional in his style. So I got a little bit of everything. I would say that my mom gave me the most freedom and taught me to be the most independent for sure. But it, it really was, it really, it really was a, a, a true blend. As an only child, did you feel like there was a ton of focus on you? No, because it was also the 70s. Okay. <laughs> so there's no focus on the child, zero, right? There is, it is free range. <laughs> it free is range parenting. pretty, and when I say traditional, I still mean within the context of the 70s, where right. like, if you were home, like if you were sick from, if you were sick or something, you were just like home on your own, watching right. TV like all day. TV was your main caregiver. That's how you learned how to read, like by watching The Electric Company. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh nobody God. was like making special accommodations for you, for oh sure. Gosh. You were just, I was just out there like sliding around the back seat of a duster with no seatbelt. <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, like, I feel like any parents listening who are at all worried about screen time and their kids, hey, Samantha B was brought up oh, by television. Oh, boy. So hope for I'm telling kids. you. <laughs> Definitely. (laughs) So you said in your first book, I know I am, but what are you, um, that you were a scary teenager. 
I was. Well, what are we talking about here? Well, I really did enjoy the free range parent. I, I enjoyed the freedom that I, that was afforded to me by at my mom's house. And I, I, I presented really well. Like I looked really clean cut. I understood how to get along socially. Like I understood how to fit in places in a kind of a chameleon way. And then I fell in with a crowd, I guess, that I had a boyfriend actually who was just like stole cars. And so I joined him on that adventure and we did that together. Okay. I read that and that Mm -hmm. blew my mind. Yeah. And I, you know, I talk about it like I don't mind talking about it because, and, and it doesn't, I'm not really proud of it. I think it's like an interesting quirk maybe, but I, I've spent a lot of time since then reflecting on what my role in this world is going forward because I really like have tried to own kind of like take ownership of the fact that I like hurt people not Mm. I physically hurt people but it it's such a violation to have something stolen like to be robbed I've been robbed since then I've been broken into and it is a real violation so for a short period of time I lived life as a part-time criminal, definitely, with pearls and like a cashmere twin set, for sure. (laughs) You never would have guessed or known. And I was a straight-A student, too, so balancing all of these different facets of my personality. But I learned pretty quickly that that was not, like, the life for me. But I, I, it was pretty wild. Wild times. I wouldn't go back there. Do you feel like you were rebelling a little because you were that straight A student? I think I was just trying to, I don't know what I was trying to do. I think, I think in some ways I was aspirational for objects. Like I was like, I should have a car. Like I just was was the bottomless pit of wants and a person who also couldn't say no very well. Like if somebody was doing something wild or doing something that we shouldn't be doing. I was always there to just go along with it. In some ways, I probably thought that I knew better than anybody else. So I definitely for a while thought I was a criminal mastermind, which is not true at all. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the complete opposite. And I'm very, I like, I'm very honest with my own kids about all that stuff because it was a pretty brief period. We're talking maybe like a year and a half out of my entire life. And I was really done with it. By the time I was 16, I was back on the back on the straight and narrow being a normal person again. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm glad that I had, I'm glad that I had that rebel. Maybe it was more rebellion against society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that I was done with it on the early side. I will say that. So now you have teenagers. Do you, are, so first of all, what kind of teenagers are they? And also, how have you kind of, bearing in mind all this from your past, how has that kind of affected how you parent them? You know, it's a di- like the the atmosphere of parenting is so different now. And I enjoy it so thoroughly. Like, I really love being around my kids. Like, I definitely one million percent know that having children was the smartest and best thing that I've ever done. And I just feel like it's not talked about enough how enjoyable your own children can be. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's so much conversation about like, oh, it's like this and it's like that. But 
they're the best campfires I ever made. Like, you know how you just want to stare into a campfire forever? Oh my gosh. Which is not to say that we always agree with each other or get along or they, sometimes they just like actively don't like me, but it's such a pleasure for me when we're all together. It's the time when I feel the safest. Like I just feel like I'm myself more than an, there's no other situation in which I am as fully myself as when I'm with my kids. Do you think that your relationship has gotten better as they've gotten older or has it always been that way? It has just deepened. It's just different. And sometimes they have to be mad at you because they just have to be mad at you. Sometimes they're just trying to find something to be mad at you about and you just have to accept that. And sometimes they're mad at you legitimately because you forgot something or did something or failed at right. something. And it's it's just like the greatest, it's the greatest journey. And so it is, it is different because our, it's not like I'm not the parent. It's not like I'm not guiding them in a way. It's not as free range, that's for sure. And we're mm-hmm. really trying to make them know themselves, which is trying to give them space to know themselves, but also with safe constraints. I feel like I, in many ways, I, I just didn't have a lot of constraints. And that was sort of mm. overwhelming, maybe. And and you've brought them up here in New York City, in Manhattan, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And mm-hmm. have they been like, how? what's your approach to like the subway or Ubers? Have they been kind of taking them since a younger age by themselves? Or do you have any, what are your kind of rules around the city? No, we haven't. Actually, they don't, haven't had that much freedom around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting it now because my daughter's in high school. And, and first of all, like the year that they really would have probably been exploring a lot more was a COVID year. So right. my daughter is spending a lot more time independently now. So she's really excited to live more fully this year. She's just excited to be going to be present in school yeah. more oh than gosh, last year. Same with my son. And so I think they'll experience a lot of that. We've always lived kind of walking distance from their schools. We love to walk. That's one thing we definitely do. So even though they go to school pretty far away, we always walk anyway. And we do that kind of morning walk. And even though it's pretty long, we all try to do it together. That's so great. Yeah. So how has the pandemic been for your family? I feel like tweens and teens, it's such a hard age to have to be, you know, shut away, you know, the way that they had to be away from friends. It was pretty hard on them. They're good independent learners. They're good with this, the the work part of it, but socially I think it was really challenging. Like, you know, my daughter's 15. She doesn't want to only spend time with her parents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and same with my son. Like we're, you know, he wants to see other boys at school, <laughs> like not yes. just his sisters, which right. is totally valid. And I think that all of these dreams will come true this year. <laughs> Uh, as much as they love spending time with us and i'm sure that they do they also definitely want to reject us and (laughs) they want the freedom to do that When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So to talk a little bit about your relationship with Jason and thing, mm-hmm. I think you said something like there's never been a successful happy marriage in your family lineage, like yeah. ever. <laughs> I hate to say that. Yeah, but, but that's um, true. But yet you got married. We did. Can you talk a little bit about how, about how you guys met? We met doing uh, children's theater, actually. We met doing <laughs> a really bad <laughs> production of uh, Sailor Moon. It was like a live action Sailor Moon. It was like the worst children's theater. Like, could you even really define it as theater? It was a performance. It was a bad performance. It was not at all love at first sight or anything like that. We didn't really even like each other or talk to each other for a year. It really took a long time for us to even look up from what we were doing to notice each other. And then I started driving him to gigs because I had a car and he didn't. And that's when we just started talking really in traffic. <laughs> yeah. A, a car a car you, you purchased, right? Not, not yeah. you didn't steal that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was legitimately <laughs> a legitimate car. <laughs> yes. But so I feel like through the pandemic, so many people have been forced into kind of living and working with their spouses and their partners. Yes. And a lot of people, I mean, I'm divorced, so this is not me, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of my friends, like my friend tweeted something about how she figured out that her husband is a circle back guy when he's on his like Zoom calls, oh. you know, and it's like you're exposed <laughs> to this whole working side oh, to your spouse. Funny. But I feel like you and Jason kind of wrote the book on that. You've been working together for such a long time. I mean, he was a correspondent on The Daily Show. You've written yeah. movies and shows together. We have always worked together. It's very true. Like we are, it's our 20th, this is our 20th anniversary of being married. So we've been dating, we've been together since 1997. Mm-hmm. We've always kind of worked together and we took the approach because we were both, we spent so much time in Toronto auditioning for things and like he would work and then I would get a job and it was a very fluid, we had a very fluid arrangement of like who was working and who was holding down the fort at home and like Mm -hmm. who was earning and who wasn't or maybe we were both earning or maybe we weren't and we had to lock it down a little bit. He really taught me how to save money. He actually is an extremely responsible human being, whereas I was not really. I had no concept of saving and just really didn't understand how to do that. And I was just broke all the time as a 20-year-old. When we started working together, we also started merging our finances. And like, it helped me to really understand how to support him when he needed support. He would support me when I needed support. And that kind of fluidity has Mm -hmm. always followed us in whatever form. I started working at The Daily Show in 2003. And then he got hired maybe a year or a year and a half later. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, it was like a miracle that they hired. I was like, this is incredible. You've discovered this incredibly talented person who I'm already married to. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, guess what? He's my husband. (laughs) Oh my God, he's my... It was a moment. Like they saw him. He auditioned and and someone was like, wait, aren't you married to him? And I was like, you discovered my husband like this never. (laughs) This is incredible. That's so cool. It was so cool. And um, and then we were like, well, if we're gonna be working together, we could share an office together. Like then we could get a bigger office. And and they really were so resistant to putting us in the same office because they were like, when you have marital fights, it's gonna blow up the whole office. And we were like, no, we we know how to work together. Like we will share the space very well. 
That's cool. Do you guys kind of parent similar to the way that you work individually? Like you were saying, he's very responsible with financially and everything. Like, yeah. is he sort of reflected in his in his parenting? Or how, do, how are you guys different as parents? How are we different as parents? That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've ever defined it. It's kind of similar. We're a little bit fluid about it. We're very, without talking about it too much, we're actually pretty aligned. Like our value mm-hmm. system is the same. Um, we love parenting our children the same. And so we may disagree on little things, but we sort of work it out. Right. I could see how like working together first and then becoming parents, it's like probably prepped you pretty well for parenting together because parenting can sometimes, you know, a lot of times feel like a job. I've never thought about it that way before, but I think you're exactly right because we do know how to work through disagreement. And it's everything has just become like a bigger version of what it was in 2001. Our world has expanded so incrementally over time. Our jobs got bigger. And then we had a baby and our family got bigger and then it got bigger again. So we've had lots of time to adjust to all these new realities. And and we've just sort of psychologically adapted as well. Yeah. I love that. Um, now, so you've talked about how you said motherhood didn't change you as a comedian, comedian, mm-hmm. and it didn't change your sense of humor. And I love mm-hmm. that. I feel like so often everyone gets all serious when motherhood kind of enters the chat. You know, like right. Coming from a sketch comedy background, you see, like you look at everything as a as an incredible prop. So mm-hmm. that that big belly was like the most useful. Like I loved it. I was like, all right, this is so awkward. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to run, I'm going to like run down the street after someone like with a microphone and every, all the producers were like, well, but you can't run. Oh my God. Like, please don't hurt yourself. And I'm like, I can still run. (laughs) I'm not ill. This is just a condition of being. I mean, I'm not, I was like, I'm not going to put myself in danger, but if it's my idea to run and I know that I can do it and you have the cameras rolling, I'll do it. It's my idea. Let me try it. I think it's going to look really funny. (laughs) And it did. And then we had our first baby and then we were like, guys, we have a baby. Like we can use her in things. Like (laughs) this is a valuable prop. And then we put her in a couple of things on The Daily Show. And then a couple of months into that, we were like, she is no longer a prop <laughs> because now we has she has her own life. I understand now she is actually not uh, a prop that we're going to use, and we're not going to put her on camera anymore. And everybody's like, "Yeah, we figured you'd come to that decision," <laughs> and we did. So, what do your kids think about what you do? I think they secretly like it, but they don't. They're not like overly impressed. I gotta be, I gotta be cool about it. <laughs> It's just mom. It's just, I'm just their, I'm just their mother and Jason's Uh just their dad. Like sometimes people come up to us in the street and they're like, and they're like, we love you from the thing or we love this thing. And they look at our kids and they're like, you should be so proud of your parents. And our parents are just like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. Like you don't, (laughs) they're like, you don't understand. These are the nerds that like (laughs) sit in my house and tell me to do stuff. And and I do think that that's a better I think it's a dangerous equation. If your kids think that you're cool when they're coming up in the world, that's dangerous for them later in life. It's much better for them to just be like, "Yeah, these two losers, are you sure you're talking about the right people? <laughs> I, I think they 
like it a little bit. They probably think it's like a little bit cool, but I know that they don't tell people what we do. It's not like they're running around going like, guess, guess what my parents do. Like they are secretive about it. At some point, my daughter had a class and someone, <laughs> oh my God. And one of her teachers played a segment from one of the episodes of my show in the class and she didn't even say, like, that's my mom. Oh, my gosh. She didn't even She's tell like, anyone. Over. I was like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. Did you tell, did you tell, does the class know that that I'm your mom? That's so neat. And she was like, no, I'm not going to tell anyone. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> no problem. So I feel like, you know, we've, we've had a lot of heavy things this past year. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of approach those with your kids talking about, you know, race and politics and COVID and sex and all the big stuff well they won't talk to us about sex at all so we've tried to be really yeah (laughs) we tried to be really open about it with them and they were like please i want to throw up like i'm going to get me (laughs) out of this conversation immediately did you ever get to have the birds and the bees conversation because like does that actually even really happen (laughs) oh my god well we were so self-important about it a few years ago we were like okay everybody gather around (laughs) This is the big talk. We're going to do this. You're all here. You're ready for this. We gathered that, like, we literally gathered them in a room and we explained uh, where babies come from. And we were, <laughs> we were so like, let's do this thing. And families come in all different shapes and sizes. And some fam- mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this is the, the sperm goes into the egg. And some families come together in a different way. And this is what families are. And right. like, we're like, you were like, tears. Prepared. This you is were like, like we're going to do this. <laughs> doing this. And they were like, thank you. And they walked away. And then about, <laughs> I want to say about a year later, they came to us and they were like, oh, we forgot how babies are made. Can you repeat that? And we were oh. like, you what? <laughs> and the second time around was much less <laughs> formal. <laughs> right. We were like, I can't believe you forgot this very important thing that we told you. How dare you? And they were like, ew, conversation over. <laughs> Well, other stuff, you know, big conversations, we just try to be open to their questions, answer them honestly, and bring our own lack of knowledge to the conversation as well. Like, we don't Mm -hmm. pretend that we have all the answers to the world's problems. And then I try not to proselytize too much. So they, yeah, first of all, we listen to the news constantly in our house. Like, I am always listening to the news. So they're receiving a lot of information just mm-hmm. via osmosis about like what's right. happening in the world. And then they're learning about issues at school as well. So it's not like I wake them up and give them like the rundown, the talking points. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I do let them come to their own conclusions about things. If they have questions, that's great. I often can't answer them. When it came to COVID, we were just like, here's what we think. These, these are the unknowables. Let's just learn and go together. We're all together. Samantha B., you've been so lovely to talk to. My last question I want to ask is just, I feel like you're famously a truth teller. Um, What are are some things that you feel like nobody talks about with parenthood? I don't think anyone ever talked to me about how much I would enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone talked to me and said, hey, you're going to love this. Right. I felt like when I was pregnant, the whole time everyone was like, don't eat sushi. Blue cheese is going to kill you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, and they're like, watch out for like that moment when you get home and it's just you and a baby and you're not going to know what the hell you're doing. And all of that was 
well, the blue cheese part was not true, but like the, okay, <laughs> I definitely didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I definitely did weird things when we first had a baby. I was just like, I don't want to hurt this angel, this beautiful <laughs> baby. And we've made terrible mistakes and done stupid stuff. But like no one ever said, hey, man, these kids are going to make you laugh more than anybody ever. Like these kids oh. are going to savage you and you're going to be here for it. And you're just going to love watching them grow up. I could have used that. I, someone could have told me that part. Cause oh. I, I feel like I went into it with like a lot of fear. Yeah. And, and then, which is not to say that like all of those feelings are valid. Like, right. You know, not everybody has the same experience of it. I get all of that, but there is tremendous possibility in like making these great people who are better than us. is like a joy making a more evolved version of the people who we grew up to be like that's awesome they're just like throwing away stuff that we all thought was really important and it's like such a pleasure to watch them like think about gender differently and think about mm -hmm. their own personal boundaries differently than we did like that is like so exciting it makes me feel hopeful well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so great talking to you. This was total pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Samantha B. Next time, you'll hear from the daughter of musical legend Rick James. Ty James speaks candidly about what it was like to grow up with a father who was known as much for being a hellraiser as he was a musician. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash wearefamilypodcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cascione. And thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family.